This episode is brought to you by Truth Table. Pre-order Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberation at truthstable.com. This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by Broadleaf Books, publishers of The Enneagram for Black Liberation, Return to Who You Are Beneath the Armor You Carry by Chichi Agoram. Learn more at chichiagoram.com. And Jubilee Financial Services, where we empower individuals, families, nonprofits, and small businesses to build tax-free wealth through affordable life insurance. Visit Jubilee Financial Services at jubileefinancialgroup.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, midwives of culture for grace and truth. I'm McKemini. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Well, it's me here on the introduction, but I'm really, really excited about this episode. It's actually a very special episode. We are still going through our book. So it is a behind the book episode or behind our um, book episode. And we are delving into the protest as spiritual practice chapter by Michelle Higgins. And this episode is special because it is going to be more like a monologue. So Michelle is going to be talking about um, the process of writing this book, um, of course, why she, I'm sorry, writing this chapter and why she wrote it. Um, And I think you all will really enjoy this uh, episode because it really is, you know, we call her the poetic prophetess here at Truth's Table. And so it's fitting for you all to be able to hear her uh, just dialogue really, um, or, or a little bit of a monologue, if you will, I call it a monologue about her chapter. So I'm excited for you all to hear um, her insights on her chapter, Protests as Spiritual Practice by Michelle Higgins. Enjoy. Protest as Spiritual Practice um, is the first chapter by me that appears in the Truth Table book. I chose this topic, I think, because it most describes where I am in my life and how I've received and really absorbed this lens of looking over a lot of the signposts in my life that mark, well, who I am. So it's a bit of who I am of where I am and how I think the reader can understand not not just me, but people like me. Uh, specifically, I wanted to locate myself as a St. Louisan. I've talked on the podcast a number of times about um, this idea of desiring connection to ancestral land and St. Louis, specifically North St. Louis, um, the Northern counties and North City in my area that that's the closest thing I've got to ancestral land. And it's, it's a bittersweet interaction. I know that this land is stolen. I know that the stewardship from our native beloved uh, is part of the reason that we still have any land to live on. And I think the process of preparing to write on this topic, um, just even naming it protest as spiritual practice, says a lot about what I have learned as being a Black woman in America. Um, Ntozaki Shange has uh, the lengthy quote that I start out the chapter with. And she also said, being alive and being a woman and being colored is a metaphysical dilemma. 
And so, as we've said on the podcast before, our existence is resistance. And there's a lot that goes into the ancestry that I carry to people I don't even know about, (laughs) but then a lot of folks who built me, um, helped me to process how I am. And so as as I prepared to write the chapter, I thought about the birth story that I don't remember, obviously, but my mother, my auntie, um, different folks that have heard um, not long after I was born, they heard the story of me coming without a sound. Um, so you'll see, you'll you'll read and interact with a lot of my upbringing. Um, the hospital where I was born plays a role. The city and county divide, visiting family and friends, and obviously my understanding of interaction with the criminal legal system. Even as a child, I understood that Black people were supposed to be wary of criminal interactions, even when we were doing nothing that was a crime, simply driving five miles under the speed limit, two miles over the speed limit. Um, I understood those things as something to be worried about. I dip a little bit into history and how I began to understand general social economic history and also the history of the church how those things shifted. And it was both a challenge and an excitement uh, for me to write this part. I I would have to say that if I had to sit and think about the joys and challenges, um, some worries I had in writing this chapter, I would say that um, studying and doing justice to history was really important. There are some things that I think in our time constraints and how we structure chapters, we don't often have a lot of time for. And so um, as I started to dive into the history of the massacre in East St. Louis and how that flooded over to St. Louis City, I made the choice to reference that and then move into this similar feeling, like an air that sits over our area that doesn't really go away. This air of police terrorism, white supremacist terrorism that, as I quoted in the book, stretches out these seasons called lynching season or riot season. And truly what I think happens in the history of St. Louis, in many ways, again, just in my life, comes to a head on Saturday, the 9th of August in 2014, when Michael Brown Jr. was murdered by a police officer who was on duty, Darren Wilson, who was taunting him, and how the body of our brother, this young man, a teenager, really, Michael Brown Jr., lied on the ground, and there's there's just no way for me as a kid who grew up Pentecostal, you know, there's no way for me to not have this sense of the blood of Abel um, crying out to God from the ground. And so I had some worries in writing this section specifically because Michael Brown's murder, you know, the loss of his life um, has been commodified. It's, you know, he's been tokenized. And I, I just, in the end, I decided to go ahead and say what I guess I I could have, I felt nervous to say, 
to speak words that, that even challenge myself. Um, I decided to go ahead and ask if it took Michael Brown dying for so many of us to wake up, would we have it another way? And my hope is that our readers, our sisters at the table um, can feel the turmoil in my experience. You know, I experienced the Holy Spirit in new ways. I'm a lifelong Christian, a lifelong daughter of the church, now a pastor. And I, I don't know, y'all, I, I, I really don't know if I would be um, in certain positions I'm in uh, where I'm not a St. Louisan uh, who helped out, uh, who supported, who co-founded um, critical organizations to our landscape. I don't know that I would be where I am uh, were it not for this movement. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Am I worthy of belonging? Am I loved just as I am? Am I safe to exist without worry? How do Black women return to our truest selves in systems that answer no to these three questions? The Enneagram is an ancient system of human development that shows us the limiting stories that keep us stuck in unhelpful patterns and invites us into more expansive stories. But for too long, conversations about the Enneagram and its personality types have been centered around whiteness. In her new book, The Enneagram for Black Liberation, certified Enneagram teacher and trained psychotherapist Chichi Agarum reclaims this powerful tool for Black women to help us rediscover our wholeness and worth. Wholeness work is justice work. When we center freedom, ease, and rest for Black women, we are claiming the Enneagram as our tool for resilience building in the continued fight for liberation. Get your copy of The Enneagram for Black Liberation now at broadleafbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a classic in the making, according to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, Listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. Pre-order Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation today. Akemini, you know what's sad to see um, when someone has lost a loved one and they're having to use something like a GoFundMe just to piece together the resources to provide for them a, an, an honorable homegoing service. Yeah, girl, we've been there where we've oh, had to sure. bury 
relatives and have to, and this is pre-GoFundMe, honestly, where we have to pull together money to bury our loved ones. And it's so hard when you're grieving, you don't want to have to do that type of labor absolutely, um, in order to give your loved one a dignified um, homegoing service. But we might not know how affordable and simple it is to obtain quality life insurance. That's why Jubilee Financial Group is part of the Symmetry Financial Group. Together, they partner with over 30 insurance companies to offer affordable solutions for mortgage protection, disability, retirement protection, term life, and more. Visit Jubilee Financial Services Group at jubileefinancialgroup.com to submit an inquiry and learn about how you can obtain affordable life insurance for you and your loved ones. And we're back to hear Michelle speak more about her chapter, Protests and Spiritual Practice. My only hope is to be able to say that if we are not consistently wishing for whatever reality brings back our people, whatever reality stops our people from perishing at the hands of people who supposedly protect and serve, um, then we're doing it wrong. And so I may have left some things unsaid in this, in, you know, because it's, there's only so much you can get into in one big book chapter. Um, but I think if I left anything unsaid, it would be um, a sense of a deep confessional tension, recognizing my place in this movement and recognizing that when we are willing to be transformed in service of the work, that requires that, just like the Lord asks us, that we examine ourselves. And so I feel inspired. As I wrote, I felt inspired and I feel inspired um, continually to not only share my story in the context of spiritual practice, but to share what I hope the reader picks up on as spiritual transformation. And that that's truly what this story is to me, where I was born, how I was born, where I grew up, how I grew up, when I felt encountered, um, just taken aback by the sheer lack of justice uh, that had had been a gaping, but I think almost overlooked space in reconciliation movements. Um, how that struck me, how my own complicity struck me, and how the grace of God in the presence of Black women uh, moved in to show me the presence of the Holy Spirit, not only in the ministry I was striving to harmonize with movement, but it showed up in the movement in which I felt God calling me to ministry. We want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us this week for this very special episode. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode behind our book, Protest a Spiritual Practice by Michelle Higgins, using the hashtag Truce Table and use the hashtag Truce Table Book. Black women, we also have a Facebook Black Women's Discipleship group. So make sure to like our page on Truce Table, our Truce Table page on Facebook and answer the questions and join our group. And please invite your girlfriends to join us as well. 
Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truce Table, or email us your thoughts at asktruestable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truce Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truestable, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truestable. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And our video producer is Daryl Bradford. We have been your hosts, Kemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.